The U.S. men's national team is only one day away from nine points in three World Cup qualifying games. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. Up in Salt Lake City is Ivis Galarsep. What's up, dude? What's going on, Garrett? Nothing much, man. Chilling. How you doing up uh, up there without me? <laughs> We're doing all right, man. Uh, you know, you, you kind of misled me for, for the folks listening. Uh, part of the reason I came out for the game is because I thought we'd actually have our first live SBI show, but of course Garrett, uh, you know, he was out and he's not here. He won't be making the trip, but I'll hold things down for the for the show. And uh, you know, we're hanging out here in the mountains of Utah, and uh, it's hot. Let me tell you, man, it's uh, how hot it's is like it? Nineties. It was like ninety three, ninety four. It's going to be ninety seven on Tuesday during the day. Uh, so the the snow game is a long time ago. That's not even hot. Well, maybe for you and you know your folk in Arizona, but it's like 105 out here, baby. It's nice. It's, yeah, it's nice. different. Though. It's a different kind of heat. I mean, I don't know. I, I can't compare the heats, but um, it, it isn't unbearable. I mean, trust me, Houston, Houston in the summer is just way worse than than here. Um, but it's uh, it should be fine. Uh, you know, obviously, but when you, when you talk about Tuesday night here mm-hmm. at Rio Tinto Stadium, it it should be it should be a beautiful day. There should be some beautiful weather for that match on Tuesday. Oh, I bet. I bet it's going to look just absolutely beautiful with the mountains uh, in the background. I have lots to talk about on this show, like we always have on every single show. Um, we're going to uh, announce the contest winner from the previous show. We're always going to do the uh, the Q&A, as we always do, recap the MLS previous weekend, talk about the Confederations Cup, some excellent play down there. You know, Ace fans doing excellent with their coverage of that. We'll also talk uh, Bob Bradley doing some fabulous things in Egypt. We'll talk U-20s. Uh, and uh, before we get to all that, Ivis, let's talk about this U.S. men's national team game. Uh, like I said before, the U.S. is uh, one day away from uh, picking up nine points in three World Cup qualifying games to beat Jamaica for the first time uh, in Jamaica World Cup qualifying, which was just absolutely fabulous. But uh, headed into this game, Ivis, uh, how do you handicap this? Honduras, lots of injuries, lots of players out. You know, what's your what's your initial take on this game on Tuesday? Well, you know, if you're the U.S., uh, you couldn't ask for a better situation where you're facing a, a Honduras team that's really in a state of uh, – kind of a state of emergency with so many players uh, set to miss this game uh, between suspensions, uh, yellow card suspensions, and injuries, and at one player at least who's gone AWOL, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for Honduras. So you're, you're talking, I mean, ha- at least half of the team that beat the U.S. in February will not play on Tuesday. And we're talking about some key players mm-hmm. uh, when you talk about the center backs. Uh, Victor Bernard is suspended. You know, Minor Figueroa is injured. Uh, up to Jerry Bankston, who... You know he's obviously the leading scorer, New England Revolution forward. He uh, he basically left camp after having a falling out with the coach, the Honduras coach. You know who didn't play him in the team's last game in the win against Jamaica. He didn't start him. He didn't play him a minute, and and Bankston didn't take too well with that, and apparently ripped uh, the coach. Uh, I, I think it was actually in front of the team, and and that didn't go over too well with the team. And he just left, and he's pretty much gone AWOL and. You know, uh, uh, folks in Honduras are not happy about that. It sounds like they've they've really sided with the coach, you know, as you would expect. Um, but you know, Honduras, man. Not only that, they have some other injuries uh, to deal with as well, such as Oscar Boniet Garcia, who's doubtful for the match. The the, uh, the great Houston Dynamo midfielder. Mm-hmm. So it's tough to say how this Honduras team's gonna be able to, you know, piece together a, 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 an effective and strong lineup with as many players as they're missing. Uh, I think the key is to just do not let Roger Espinosa take any free kicks from about 25 out that that's the key what is he what is he Beckham no 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 but I mean when you look at their lineup right now Ivis you kind of wonder where's the threat going to come from and I mean he obviously is the 
the key guy that's going to stand out as the guy that you really don't want to give him any opportunities. I mean, there's other guys too, like Mario Martinez. Excuse me, I'm being bad here, but I'm just saying though. No, they have, they have they'll still. You know what? They're still going to field a decent team. They're going to put up a challenge. They're not going to be uh, a team that you can just run over. Uh, I think they still have enough quality uh, left on that team. I know Emilio Izaguirre, the Celtic uh, Celtic defender, will be ready. Uh, Espinosa will be ready. Uh, you know, Mario Martinez from the Sounders should be in the lineup as well. So they still have the players. And Valladares, the goalkeeper, who's you know, hundred plus caps for them. So they still have players. They're still going to be. They're still going to be able to field a decent team. But when we talk about the team in, in February that, that outplayed the U.S., that team is not going to be here. So that from that standpoint, when you consider the fact that the U.S. is playing as well as, as, as they're playing right now, uh, they, they have to feel I, – I, I personally, I don't know if, it, if they even care. You know, I don't know if the U.S. players really care that Honduras is missing all these guys. I'm sure Klinsman does. I'm sure Jurgen Klinsman is pretty happy about that. But if you're a U.S. player right now, you're not worried about the opponents. You're, you're, you're just – enjoying the good the quality soccer you're the team is playing right now and there's so much confidence in this camp that i think even with a full strength honduras team i'm not sure they'd have they'd be able to beat the u.s right now but the fact that they're missing so many key players uh just swings swings it over to the u.s uh pretty heavily right now when an outstanding opportunity for the u.s that is the u.s roster those it's going to be a couple changes demarcus beasley's out due to the suspension tim howard is playing uh i saw that you put that on your website there was like i guess in, in the comments people were saying that uh that he was out he is playing in the game graham zuzi is back so we could see a couple changes here uh can we see fabian johnson drop down do we see zuzi back in the game do we see uh edgar castillo in this game ivis for the u.s uh what, what do you see for them going into this game with with the lineup changes well, I think, I think we're going to see, obviously, we're going to see at least one change with Beasley out. But I think with Graham Zussi back and available, I feel like he's going to be in the lineup. Uh, I think the two, the changes you'll see, I think, are, are going to be Edgar Castillo sliding into Beasley's spot. And I think Graham Zussi replaces Eddie Johnson when you talk about the team that beat uh, Panama last week. You know, I know Eddie Johnson played well. He had the goal and he had the, you know, he had the outstanding game in front of his home fans. But, you know, I think Graham Zussi, for what they want to do with that system, uh, providing quality service on the flanks, I think having him on the right, having Graham Zusi on the right, is probably more conducive to to getting the most out of Josie Altidore. Uh, and as far as left back goes, I know I know some are, the the thought for some is, you know, why don't you just slide Fabian Johnson back there? Um, and you know he can play left back, obviously he can play it well, mm-hmm. but I think he's been on a run now. Yeah. Why stop? Why on, stop a good thing? Right. Well, yeah. Why, why move him now? That he's played a, obviously a, a pretty good run of games on the left wing where he's he's settled in and he's feeling comfortable. You don't want to unsettle three positions when you can just focus on on two changes. So from that standpoint, I think Castillo gets in there. I know some people are worried about Castillo and the fact that he didn't look good at all against Germany. Uh, and then there's still some folks who just you know quite frankly aren't sold on him as a left back option. Um, personally, I think he you know he's coming off a really good year at Club Tijuana. He showed really well in the Copa Libertadores, a high-level competition against tough opponents. Um, you know, he's earned that. He's earned that opportunity. You know, I know he didn't play well in that game against Germany, but you know, again, as we said mm-hmm. back then, you know, he we're talking about. You know, he played Thursday night in Brazil in a very, very tough game where, where you know they actually didn't even lose that game. They tied and they lost on away goals uh, to Atlético Mineiro, Ronaldinho's team. And, you know, he, he played well, and he capped a, a great tournament. But, you know, when you play a, a full game, tough game, on a Thursday night in Brazil, and then you have to travel 
all the way to D.C. You know, I didn't think he was going to play. I think the consensus was he, he wasn't even going to play in that game. And for whatever reason, you know, Klinsman decided to give him some minutes. He struggled. Uh, you know, he didn't he didn't do so well in that game. But, you know, I, I don't think people should write him off. I think he he has a chance to do well. I think he matches up well with this Honduras team. And I think he's he's a good pairing with, with Fabian Johnson when mm-hmm. you think about, you know, Johnson and DeMarcus Beasley did very well together as far as overlapping working together to, to cover to cover the entire flank. And I think Edward Castillo can give you that. I think Edward Castillo can can get up and down. I think him and Johnson can time their one runs well. They're both much like Beasley, Edward Castillo is someone who can play left back or left midfield. So I think that just understanding of the entire flank uh makes him a more ideal fit than I think if you put Fabian Johnson on the left I mean at left back and went with, you know, Eddie Johnson on the left wing. Uh, you know, I know some people see that as an option. I think we'll go I think Klinsman will go Castillo, Fabian Johnson on the left. And I think that's smart. I think you need to keep Fabian Johnson where he's playing well and you're right on on Edgar Castillo. Uh, for the US, if you're keeping score at home, obviously Ivis, the other positions are gonna be occupied by the same players, correct? Well, you know, another question mark is the defensive midfield where Jermaine Jones is his status for the match. It it seems to still kind of be in question. Uh, The team is still waiting to see the results of his of his tests, you know, after his concussion from the Jamaica game. Personally, I don't think he plays. I think the fact that this has taken this long to figure out tells me that he won't play in this game. And, you know, why rush it? You know, obviously, Jeff Cameron was outstanding against Panama. He partnered very well with Michael Bradley. He's the, you know, there's no reason why you just don't leave him in there and give him a chance to, to show what he can do. Um, and, and personally, if I'm Jurgen Klinsmann, I want to see more of a sample size of Bradley and Cameron together. I think we've all seen plenty of Michael Bradley and Jermaine Jones. And, and you know, there, there's benefits and there's strengths and weaknesses to that matchup. I mean, to that partnership. But, you know, I, I think we haven't seen quite enough yet of Cameron and Bradley. But what we have seen has been really, really good when you talk about the end of the Jamaica game. Uh, and now in the Panama game. So I, th- I think giving him the chance to play against Honduras, tough opponent, even with all the injuries, um, you know, I, I think it, it'd be a good opportunity to, to see what Bradley and Cameron can do over another 90 minutes. And I was going into the game on Tuesday with the injuries to Honduras. Like you said earlier, they're going to be missing their two uh, center backs. Tactically for the U.S., are we going to see more of the Graham Zuzzi trying to connect to Josie Atador sending balls on the inside, or will we continue to see Fabian Johnson uh, slash it through on the left side? Tactically, what should the U.S. do against Honduras? Well, I, I think they should stick to what they've been doing, you know, working the flanks. Um, you know, Honduras, they're, they're pretty good on the, uh, at the fullback spots. They'll be a tougher challenge than Panama. Um, but, you know, I, I think what we saw in the Panama game as far as Michael Bradley attacking straight down the middle, you know, I think there could be some success there. Although Roger Espinoza is still a really tough player, and he's, he's going to definitely make things difficult uh, in the middle. So I think getting the ball wide to Graham Zussi and Fabian Johnson, working service in to, to Altador and um, Clint Dempsey, I think you stick with that. I think you keep going with that. You, have, you keep Brad Evans and DeMarcus Be- – uh, I'm sorry, Brad Evans and Edgar Castillo working up the flanks uh, and, and try to overwhelm them, uh, wh- whichever side of the field you go after. I think you can attack on either side once, once you have Johnson, Fabian Johnson, Graham Zussi on the flanks. I think that's where they're going to be able to find their success. And personally, Josie Altador, you know – Considering how well he did against Panama and their outstanding center back tandem, 
I think he's going to have a field day against Honduras, well, who's going to be missing Victor Bernardez and and Mino Figueroa. You know, if those guys were playing, Altuve would have a pretty tough time, I think, as he did in February down in San Pedro Sula. But with those two guys out, uh, it's a big drop off for them and and the, and the other options they have at center back. I think I think Altuve has another big game. Uh, prediction for the game, Ivis. I say three to zero. What do you say? You know that sounds pretty good. That sounds like a yeah. I'm gonna have to go with another two zero. I think three three zero was my initial. It's my initial uh, kind of thought three zero. But you know, I think Honduras. You have to give. You still have to respect the fact that they have a lot of quality on that team. I don't think they're gonna let themselves be be beaten that easily. I think Roger Espinosa. You know, him alone in the middle is worth two players. So, you know, I think I think it'll be two zero. I think the U.S. will, will handle things pretty easily. Um, you know, Honduras is going to struggle. I think they're going to struggle to create chances. Um, you know, when you when you look at someone like Mario Martinez, who really hasn't been in great form in Seattle. I mean, there's a player who in February in the game in Honduras was outstanding. Him and Oscar Bonilla and Garcia really, really caused problems for the U.S. on the wings. And now Martinez is out of form. Bonilla and Garcia is injured. That and you know the, those are those are big those are big losses and then also now with Honduras changing things up with, with with their attack you know going with one forward as opposed to you know previously having Jerry Bankston and, and Carlos Costly um, you know their managers switch things up so I, I think they're going to struggle I think they're gonna, I think they're going to struggle to create chances and I think the U.S. defense is playing pretty well you know I think Beasler Gonzalez are are gaining confidence and I think they're going to have a solid game so I will go two zero USA. I also think that the U.S. players will feed off of the uh, the atmosphere that the Rio Tinto fans are uh, are going to be creating for that game. I mean, Ivis, what, what do you think the atmosphere is going to be like for that? I think it's going to be a good one. I think it's one of the more underrated stadium atmosphere. Oh my god! I said that before the show. You stole that from me. Shut up! Like that's an original thought. <laughs> Listen, Seattle gets all the, gets a lot of attention. Portland gets a lot of attention, Deserve, deservedly so. I mean, th- those are great atmospheres. Sporting KC as well and MLS. But I tell you what, you know, so they do a good job here. Uh, they, their fans uh, turn out and force uh, midweek games. You know, doesn't really matter. They they come out uh, and, and, and you know you have to give credit to Real Salt Lake. Uh, you know for putting a team out there that has done well to capture the you know the passion here. It's easy to root for a team like Real Salt Lake who's played quality soccer for so many years. But I tell you what, I think the fan turnout's gonna be great. It's gonna be sold out. It's a smaller stadium. It's not gonna be, you know, Century Link Field with forty thousand obviously. Mm-hmm. But I think the atmosphere is really good here and, and it's you know, it's gonna is it gonna be like Century Link with forty thousand that's gonna drive the team? I don't know about that, but it's not gonna I don't know if it's gonna intimidate, but I think it will support the US the US team here. And, and you know you always feel good playing in front of a pro uh, U.S. Uh, fan fan base, and and I think that's that's a big positive uh, when you think when you go back in history and, and and look at some games, some home qualifiers that weren't necessarily you know pro U.S. I mean, perfect example the Honduras. Uh, you know, funny that it's USA Honduras. You know, I remember being in at RFK Stadium back in two thousand and one, uh, sixty seven thousand fans, and of that, you know. Or it was, I don't think it was 67,000 fans, but, you know, you're, it was a packed RFK stadium and it was predominantly Honduran fans. There were so many Honduran fans, in fact, that, you know, they were, the stuff was being thrown at Brad Friedel for time-wasting in his own nation's capital. So, I mean, I remember that. Uh, nothing against RFK. I've already said before I love RFK as a venue for the U.S. team. But I tell you what, this is going to be clearly 
a pro-U.S. crowd. There are Hondurans coming, though. I will say that. There's, you know, just from what I'm reading, there's going to be like 1,500 to 2,000 Honduran fans making out for the trip. And, uh, you know, you, you like to see that. You know, you want to see, you know, this is important to everyone else, too. It's not just important to the U.S. World Cup qualifying is a big deal to, to all these countries. So you do want to see that, that away contingent as well. But it's still going to be a really strong pro-U.S. crowd. And they should drive this team on. And, and, and think about it. I mean, this team is playing so well right now with so much confidence. And now here we are. They, we're going to get back to the field condition thing again. It's going to be a beautiful field at Rio Tinto. I think they're going to knock the ball around well, and I think we're going to see some pretty attractive soccer from the U.S. I was keeping it American soccer related. Former head coach Bob Bradley is doing a fabulous job in Egypt. They've advanced to the final round of the African qualifying for the World Cup. Uh, Ten teams advance at a group stage, then they go into the final round, then they're redrawn, playing a head-to-head. Winner of that game, uh, they beat the other team, they advance to the World Cup. Easy as that. And for Bob Bradley, he's done a fabulous job turning Egypt around, and Egypt hasn't qualified for the World Cup since 1990. He's doing a fabulous job over there right now. Oh, without a doubt. It really is one of the best stories, and not just American soccer-related stories, but just international soccer. When you think about everything that's going on in Egypt, all the political uh, upheaval there and the, and the turmoil and, and everything with, with politics, is it's just a powder keg there. You know, when you had the 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 deaths uh, at the at the port side uh, uh, game um, it, it's 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 a real unsteady situation there and credit to Bob Bradley he stayed there he stuck it out he's kept that team on a winning track and now they're on the doorstep they're on the doorstep of qualifying for a World Cup and what that could mean for Egypt is just it's just unfathomable it's just Im- immeasurable what it could mean for a country that's going through so much and and it's it, it's tough you know because it as it, as impressive as it as it was for Egypt to just dominate their qualifying group to get to this final uh final uh, round of qualifying it's still very much up in the air because the way uh qualifying is set up is you know 10 10 group winners are are drawn together so you at this point we don't know who Egypt's going to play they could end up playing a powerhouse. They could play in Nigeria or a Ghana or, or, or even in Algeria. So it's kind of interesting for Bob Bradley if you think about it. He could be facing Algeria yet again uh, as he <laughs> did with that famous Landon Donovan goal. Or he could face Ghana with everything that that would mean as far as uh, you know, U.S. and Ghana and, and, and obviously Ghana knocking out Bob Bradley's U.S. team at the 2010 World Cup. So um, it's, you know, there's still that one more step. And even if they don't qualify, you really have to give him a lot of credit for 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 what he's done there. And, and obviously, there's a few movies actually being made about the entire experience that you know, people should definitely check out. We had one of the trailers on SBI recently, and it's just just an amazing look at, at everything that he's had to endure. And it just shows you the quality, you know, the type of person that he is. You know, I mean, I know there there were you know that segment of the U.S. fan population that didn't rate him as a coach. But, uh, you know, which for me, I thought it was a little unfair. I thought he did actually, I thought he did a really good job and didn't get the credit he deserved. But one thing you can't take away from is the fact that as just a human being, I mean, he's one of the best people you'll ever meet. One is just just a solid human being. And he stuck it out there. You know, when he could have left, he could have quit that job when things got a little shaky in Egypt. Um, but he's been, he stuck it out. And, and now they're on the doorstep. And I think any U.S. fan that's following that, 
uh, and even if you're not following like every I think every US fan at this point needs to be rooting for Egypt because that's just like such a great story and it, it means so much to those people and I tell you if they get to the World Cup Bob Bradley I mean it, it will be the highlight of his it have to be the biggest accomplishment of his career I mean we're not you know obviously he won MLS Cup with the Chicago Fire he won a he won a gold cup with the US he's got you know won a group stage at the World Cup with the US but if he can get that team to the World Cup. I mean, it really would send shockwaves around the, around the world, and it would really boost his profile internationally. Does it boost like? It would, yeah, obviously it boosts his profile, but does it boost like American soccer coaches in general? Though, would it help everyone? I, I think I don't think it can hurt. Obviously, the when you talk about American soccer and, and just you know, he's obviously everyone knows him as the American and, and, and it's funny that one of the movies being made about him about his experience in Egypt is called American Pharaoh uh, he's almost transcending uh, his American uh, citizenship I mean he's just a citizen of the world and you know you see him there in Egypt uh, you know and he, he just he has just immersed himself in that in that uh, culture and but it, it would it would it would I think it would be a big boost for 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 the american soccer coaching ranks because let's face it if he gets to the world cup with egypt i mean it it definitely opens an even broader uh range of opportunities for him i have you have to think that you have to think that if he has success that level of success with egypt gets them to the world cup uh, despite everything that's gone on there that that has to turn heads that has to make people say oh well wait a minute now this guy not only had success with the u.s team but now he's gone to Egypt, gotten them to the World Cup. This guy is the real deal. And you know what? It shouldn't take that for people to, to re- respect him enough to maybe open the doors for him in Europe and give him an opportunity to, to get a, a club coaching job in Europe. But I think it would. It, I think it, it would happen. I think if he gets them to the World Cup, obviously the World Cup in and of itself is just an amazing experience. It'd be great to have him coaching at the World Cup. Uh, and, you know, obviously the the dream scenario for some would be Egypt and U.S. in the same group stage. USA, Egypt, Bob Bradley on the on the sideline for Egypt going and his son on the U.S. team. I, I, that'd be just amazing. Right. It'd be crazy. But, you know, just getting there, I think he's already, he would do it would mean so much. And, and that's the next step for him is is, you know, getting to the World Cup, hopefully. And from there, obviously, you know, coaching them at the World Cup. But then after that. Who knows what would be the next step for him? I, I would have to think uh, an opportunity, opportunities would open open up for him in Europe, which I which I know is where he, at some point in his career, wants to go. I he wants to prove himself in Europe. I've known him a long time. Uh, you know, we've talked uh, quite a bit through the years just about challenges and, and everything he'd like to do. And I know I know that that is still on his list of, of things he would like to do. And we haven't had that yet, really. Uh, a high level in an American coaching on a, at a high level in Europe, uh, club soccer wise. And, and I think that, that he could be that trailblazer. So I think that, that's something people are going to definitely want to watch for. And we're, we're going to keep our fingers crossed that the draw is kind and, and, and he doesn't end up having to fa- face a powerhouse and who knows, maybe he'll face Ghana and then beat Ghana and, and exact some revenge for the U S <laughs> after the last two world cups. So, you know what, uh, listen folks, if you haven't been following, I suggest you start following that story because it's 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 just it's amazing. Uh, well, well, Ghana has not qualified yet. The teams that qualify are Ethiopia, Tunisia, Egypt, Algeria, and Cote d'Ivoire. But you said that would be awesome for Bob Bradley. I was thinking about. It. I've been thinking about. It. That's why I asked you that because I've been thinking just how cool it would be that for him to to succeed. And I think that it would really help out American coaches. And 
to see him at another level would be fantastic. Um, hopefully, the uh, U20s 3-1 defeat, uh, victory excuse me, over Portugal in their final uh, pregame before the U20 World Cup hopefully puts people at ease. Do you think it does, Ivis, going into this tournament? I don't know how many people are really worrying about the U20s, to be honest. I don't think anyone – I think everyone's focused on the, the full national team. I think once the World Cup's here, the under-20 World Cup's here – I think then then you start thinking about it. I th- you know what? Th- that U.S. team has quality, and we I said it before. I said it even after they they had their the, the run at the Toulon tournament where they lost the you know that handful of matches. The talent is there. The attacking talent they're gonna they can score goals against good competition. Uh, but you know it's tough to say what one friendly against Portugal means. I mean we don't know much about that Portugal team or if they had their first team or. Or, or how they stack up against other, the Spain and France, the teams that the U.S. actually will play in the World Cup. But it's definitely a confidence booster because, let's face it, they needed a confidence booster after the Toulon tournament. So if you're Ty Ramos, you're definitely happy to see your team respond that way and, and see someone like Alonso Hernandez who, you know, he's kind of still relatively new to the team. He's looking like he's, he's really going to be... Uh, a great addition to that attack. So I'm excited to look for. I'm excited to see these team, this team play. Uh, you know, win or lose. Again, as I said, the I think it was the last show or the one before that. It's about how the. It's about the quality of soccer they play, not so much the results. Because you know what, you want them to win, obviously. But if, if they don't, you want to see them go ahead, go out on their sword, attack, put things together, show that th- there's quality soccer in the pipeline and I think that's what matters even more so than, than just getting results because I tell you what like if I'm if I'm a you you know when you're if you're a US fan right, mm-hmm. and th- this is your next generation of talent you want to see them play well you, you don't care so much about the results of a youth tournament for me uh, you know if you're a US fan I know some obviously would say yeah we want to see the US win it doesn't matter how you win I would rather see the team you lose three games uh, but play really well and score goals play quality soccer go at these amazing teams that they're going to play in group stage, I would ra- personally, I'd rather see that than three ugly 1-0 wins, per- my, my personal opinion, because I think that would show more that there's, there's quality coming. These guys can do, do, the, you know, do the business. Uh, but listen, folks, don't worry. I, don't th- I think this U.S. team's good enough to, to, to hold its own. Uh, anyone worried about three blowout losses? I, 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 I don't think it's going to be that. I don't think it's going to be... I don't think it's going to be that bad. So if you freaked out about the Toulon tournament, relax. That, th- that team is going to be all right uh, in, that, in Turkey. I'm sorry. The tournament kicks off on June 21st. USA's first game is against Spain. Then they take on France June 24th and Ghana on June 27th. Uh, keeping it with national teams, let's move over to the women's side, U.S. women's national team. See what I did there, Ivis? Um, Abby Wambach scored a goal. She now is two goals away from Mia Hamm. Um, I mean, I'm always going to remember Wambach's goal against Brazil in the uh, in the Women's World Cup in 2011. But uh, for Wambach, uh, I mean, two goals away, very impressive. And she'll, she'll probably take that and uh, be the uh, U.S. Women's all-time leading scorer. You know, it's tough, to, it's tough to figure out what to make of these friendlies. But, you know, you still have to give Abby Wambach credit. I know some people look at the friendlies and say, oh, you know, what's the level of competition? She's racking up stats in meaningless games, but look, I tell you what, folks. You know, she's done it in big games. She's done it at the Olympics, at the World Cup. You know, she she. There's no denying that that you know when she it when she breaks the record, you know, she will hold her rightful place uh, on, on that pantheon of, of top American women's players, and she will have earned it. You know, so 
big events aren't you don't have olympics every year you don't have world cups every year so we're we're obviously in that transition period where we're we're seeing you know the, the this kind of next generation of players like Kristen press come in and, and show themselves Kristen mavis you know the, these type of players sydney larue who's starting to kind of obviously you know make her case mm-hmm. for for being you know among the forefront of that next generation but abby wambach you got to give her so much credit for what she's done to this point so uh you know who knows maybe she'll break the record at uh, red bull arena when they when they play there uh, this week yeah maybe it'd be uh, fantastic uh, if she did that imagine all the pre- i mean being in new york with all the press to begin with would be uh, be just even even better icing on the cake um I miss... and, I, and, I, and i'll be, and i'll be there so oh is that why more. oh yeah i'll probably be there i think i will I'll, I'll, you know what i absolutely will be there. you know i'll give you a name everyone should pay attention to julie johnston She's an up-and-coming on the U.S. Women's National Team. Calling it right now. Um, Ivis, have you been watching the Confederations Cup this weekend? Uh, here and there, in between the travels here to Salt Lake. Uh, uh, and obviously, watch the Brazil opener. Uh, you know, what a way to start. Oh, I know. Yes. Quality soccer already. Yeah, it, it, Neymar's goal was just disgusting. And what, what was up with Japan? They, did, they looked just blah, you know? Right. They, came, they didn't look good at all. Um, I mean, they're, they're better than they showed. And they came out flat. And you know what? Give Brazil credit. Brazil is they're a good team. Uh, Scolari is a quality manager, even though some of his roster selections are, are, are still leaving my leaving me scratching my head. And I know it's leaving some folks in Brazil scratching their head. But you know what? At the end of the day, you got to give the guy some credit. I mean, he's already won a World Cup before. He knows how to build a team. And uh, you know, just early the early results. Look pretty good, and and that team, you know, I think that team's going to make a pretty good run. And the folks in Brazil clearly are, you know, they're going nuts because they they know how important it is to have a good tournament. Uh, Brazil is not in World Cup qualifying; they obviously are the host, so they don't have to qualify. That makes this tournament that much more important for Brazil to just to play meaningful matches and just to get their players that experience in a competition. Um, and it's funny because it, it happens every four years. The host nation doesn't play in qualifiers. And then you wonder how you balance that and not getting those competitive matches uh, that qualifying gives you. But, you know, teams generally get overcome that, find a way, and, and the home advantage always helps give you that amazing boost. Um, but this tournament means so much for Brazil because they know – uh, if the team does well in this tournament, it clearly bodes well for their chances next year. Um, also, Mexico's tailspin continues. They lost to Italy 2-1. to one. I just felt like saying that because this is probably the only time I could say that. I don't know if it's the only time you'd say it. <laughs> but, hey, Mario Balotelli doing what he does. Oh, I love I love that. That was Scor- awesome. Scoring the winner, taking the shirt off. He, you know what? The guy, he's, he's never boring. And you know what? <laughs> I know some people hate the guy. I know some people can't stand all of uh, the things that he does but you know like i'm sorry i'm a fan i love the guy he he plays with his heart on his sleeve he's just a big ball of emotion i feel like you know what you love him or hate him hate you can hate the fact that you know he's he's not the most disciplined guy he's not disciplined really much at all but the like it's real you know like everything he does is real like he is just a real human being he's like a raw nerve and i mean the guy can play you can't deny that the guy is a baller 
Um, and but he has his flaws, and, and you know what? That that for me that that kind of is endearing, like because he is real. There's enough fakeness in the game. There's players that you look at them, and they, they you know, they, and you're just like, eh, is is you know, what's he about? Balotelli is just real, man. He plays the game, and and you'd like to see him. Would you would you like to see him grow up and stop? No, get, getting caught up in the red cards. Yeah, you know, it'd be nice, but at the same time, like. He's young. He's dealing. He is, it's just he is who he is. And and I, that Italy team, man. That it, it's. Uh, I, I want to see how far they go. I mean, obviously Brazil, Spain are, are the favorites, but Italy is not going to make it easy. And uh, you know, if Balotelli's on his game, I think they could beat anybody. As long as Balotelli doesn't grow up off the field, I'm very okay with that. Yeah, anybody who takes their Ferrari onto a go kart track because because his contract won't let him ride go karts is okay with me. Yeah, I, I just find that stuff funny. Also, uh, powerhouse Tahiti, you know it. They're taking on Nigeria tomorrow. Do they have any chance <laughs> at scoring? I, I think <laughs> uh, I, I don't know, man. I think unless Nigeria maybe gives them a, like a you know sportsmanship own goal, uh, I, I think that one's going to be pretty ugly. My, uh, it's going to you know it, I, you're going to at least I think the. Oh, over under on Nigeria goals is about eight and a half. So I mean, it's it's not going to be pretty. My uh, my little brother was telling me that he he saw like a, a computer prediction thing, you know, like one of those where they run the numbers type of thing, and he said that Tahiti's chances of like advancing out of the group stage are like zero percent, not even like point zero zero one, just like <laughs> literally zero percent zero. That was funny. Was... I, I saw the uh, I think I saw a line somewhere like a betting line, and it was like they were like five thousand to one. <laughs> And that would be just the biggest waste of money in your life if you put a penny on them, um, even though a penny would get you, you know, I think 50 bucks. I don't know how my math is on that. But, yeah, they, you know what? <laughs> it's going to be ugly. They're going to get blown out by every, by every team they play. And, really, the only thing you're hoping for if you're watching them is can they score a goal? Can someone just something, you know, can some player just go on this absurd run Get and somehow just score a goal. If they score a goal, it's going to be the biggest goal of the tournament. I think people are just going to freak out and celebrate because that's all you're really hoping for if you're if you're Tahiti, you know, and if you're even rooting for and watching Tahiti because they're going to get beat so badly. They're going to be outclassed. They're, I mean, they look all things being equal, they shouldn't <laughs> even be there, right? I mean, they shouldn't be at the tournament, but they're they they've earned their way there, and and you got to respect that. And I think the whole goal for this tournament. It's for them to score a goal. Yeah, I uh, I'm gonna watch the game tomorrow. I, I just I just want to see, you know. I just I just want to see what t- type of team they're gonna be. I'm gonna go nine nil Nigeria. Really? That's I'm just gonna go nine nil. I'll go six one. I, I they'll, they'll get a goal somehow. Nice. Nigeria Nigeria will like fall asleep in the 85th minute, and Tahiti uh-huh. will and Tahiti will keep playing. Nigeria will be like, what are these guys doing? Like the game's <laughs> over. But Tahiti will be so determined because they know that against Spain and Uruguay, they have literally no chance against them. Well, those are gonna, oh wow! I don't need Spain Tahiti is going to be like <laughs> Spain uh, a Spain training session with with traffic cones dressed as Tahiti players. That <laughs> that one is going to be wow! I think I think we could see a world record for most consecutive passes converted without a turnover in that game. I think Spain could just put together like a a hundred pass sequence just you know running the clock out. It's going to be ugly. Um, yeah, well, Spain did. I mean, Spain put on a clinic today against Uruguay. Um, I was. Yeah, yeah, let's not talk about Uruguay. Uruguay is uh, the team that won uh, Copa America, the team that finished third at, at the World Cup. They're they it's they're not that team anymore. They still have quality, obviously. Cavani, Suarez, Forlan, they they've got players, but they're just something's off with them. I'm, and clearly, in World Cup qualifying, they're struggling. Um, but yeah, I mean, they they were just outclassed today by Spain. Um, I just uh, also played this weekend. There were five MLS games. 
uh, some some. You know, the thing is, if any if anyone missed the games, then you really missed out. There was some. Every game had like one awesome goal, and like seriously, every game had one awesome goal. The, the game that had the best the best game that had the best goals was Vancouver New England. Um, Kenny Miller just God, what a performance by him. I mean, New England looks so good at the beginning of the game, and then uh, controversial red card. I I'm convinced that Kenny Miller did. There was contact. I don't know about that, man. I'll tell you what. Listen. You know what? Not to take anything away from Vancouver because they just they went out and played. But if you're in New England, you have to feel a little a little hard done by there. You know they were dominating that game. The Revolution were on their way to blowing out Vancouver, and it would have been interesting to see what happened in Vancouver if New England went in there and blew them out. It was, they were up two nil, complete control, mm-hmm. and then you have the red card to Andrew Farrell. And I know I know the folks in Vancouver insist it, it, there was a foul. It was a legitimate red. Uh, I mean, I watched the replay a million times, and I, I would say this. If there was contact, and I'm not completely sold there was contact, if there was contact, I don't. Th- I, I just don't see how that's a straight red card because I think, you know, they, they were running. Uh, Miller swings, you know, he stops and swings his leg back to shoot the ball. That that's it. In, For me, that's incidental contact on, on Farrell. That should have been a red card. Mm-hmm. If you want to give the PK, fine. Give the PK. I'm sorry. The red card was just – that totally changed the game. Well, because once, uh, yeah, but once the, they were the, man the, down, New England – New England just couldn't keep up. Yeah, but the the ref's in a tough spot, though. I mean, he's he's behind the play. It's it's a quick reaction. I mean, when, when I first saw it, when you first when you first see it, you think, oh, there's contact. You know? Well, well, that's the thing. I mean, it depends on his angle, where he sees the play at, uh, sees the play. But it's it, you know what though? It just seems to me more. It seems like every single time you have those bang bang plays, the the wrong call is made, and that's just like one time you'd like to see. Well, maybe we should uh, have instant replay. Well, yeah, or 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 refs that you know are better at their jobs, but uh, but you know what? Again, no, nope, that's taking too much away from Vancouver. They 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 can only go by what the ref calls, and uh, you know Kenny Miller, give him credit. You know he drew it, he drew the PK, and then he went and scored two more goals to boot. Um, Those were nasty. He, yeah, he's really putting oh. it together, and uh, I'm going to take credit for his his revival because uh, clear, clearly when I put him on the all overpaid MLS team. Clearly, he saw that, and that got him going. I'm kidding, folks. I'm kidding. Yeah, because I'm sure he um, reads soccer by yeah, uh, uh, I'm sure he does. It's like on his favorites. But no, but listen, Kenny Miller, he's starting to show his worth. He, he. I mean, we're talking about a player who, you know, from what I understand, Vancouver was ready, to, looking to get rid of. They, they would have been okay with moving him, but he's, he's, he's settling in well now. He's gotten over the, the injury that sidelined him for so long. And if he's playing at that level, then you know Vancouver has a chance. You know, they, their defense still worries me because you know obviously that. Jay Demerit is they just can't replace him. You know they. Well, you it, said that he was already up and and. Uh, no, but he's not coming back that no? soon. I mean, Achilles. You're not. You don't return from an Achilles like five, six, five, six months later. I don't think. I think that'd be a little quick. So, but still, I, you know, I think they're going to make moves in the offseason. I mean, in the summer, obviously, they traded Alain Rochat, who that's a, that's one of the stories we should talk about because Alain Rochat went off about the trade. Uh, you know, being you know, he he doesn't quite understand the whole concept, uh, the whole American concept of players just being traded to another team and not really having a say in where you're traded to. So that 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 was definitely creating a stir. But you know, Vancouver made that trade. They they, they are lining up some acquisitions, um, and here we are again. Vancouver Whitecaps making moves in the summer. You want to see? Hopefully, it works out better for them this time than it did last year when it seemed like they they tinkered their way to a terrible finish to the 2012 season. Uh, hopefully, they figured out you know the right way to do it this year. But if Kenny Miller can play at that level, 
when you talk about adding him with Camillo playing well and also uh, Russell Tybert, who has really come on. Uh, Vancouver's they're 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 going to be an exciting team to watch. I don't know if they're going to be a playoff team, but they're not going to be boring. Uh, another exciting game: uh, Portland and FC Dallas. Uh, Darlington Nagby's goal was was absolutely beautiful. No look, turn, uh, hit uh, upper left, and uh, Portland continues their uh, unbeaten streak. I, I think I saw somewhere they're at like four hundred minutes shutout streak at home, and. and I mean, Portland is just, I mean, you feel like they're just going to win or get a point in every single game at this point now. No, they're, they're playing on such a high level right now. And I know you said New England, Vancouver was the best game. I, I, I disagree. I think really? I thought New England uh, was no, fun, well, man. That game was so much I mean, fun. If, you, if it's like bells and whistles, oh my, look at the highlights game. Sure, for a, like kind of an impartial observer or, or kind of casual fan, any game with seven goals is going to be like, oh, wow, that's a great game. But when you talk about a quality 11 versus 11, two good teams, Quality soccer, the Portland-Dallas game, I thought was really, really good. You had both goalkeepers make outstanding saves in that game. That game, this game could have been four three if the, you know if the goalkeeper if Raul Fernandez and Donovan Ricketts you know didn't step up their games. But the credit to the Timbers, they they were they were the better team. This wasn't the case of you know Nagby hitting a lucky goal. I mean, it was a great goal from him. But Portland is just playing so well right now, and 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 Caleb Porter. I mean, everything he does, every movie makes has been working for them. They haven't won. They haven't. It's, I think it's three months now, three months since they lost the match, and uh, you know that it's it's you have to tip your cap. They are playing so well right now. They are, you know, for me, they're the best team. They're they, you could argue they're the best team in the league right now. I think they've gotten to that point uh, when you talk about Montreal, obviously slipping, losing to Columbus, and, and obviously at Dallas losing to Portland. I think right now you can say. And I don't think it's a stretch. Portland is the best team in the league right now. And and considering where they came from, what they were last year, that that turnaround is unbelievable. Also, Ivis, uh, you said it before. I think that we've, we've mentioned it on the show about how important of a season that Donovan Ricketts is having uh, between the pipes. He's looking outstanding for Portland. And on the other hand, I mean, their goalie, uh, Raul Fernandez, is, is looking good too. And people, you know, have been... I guess unsure about him, but I, I dude, I, I think he's really established himself as a good goalkeeper in this league. He's one. He's one of the better goalkeepers in the league. I mean, I know, I know some folks question his, uh, you know, his decision making. Is he the most fun, fundamentally sound goalkeeper? Does he rely a little too much on his on his a- athletics and his his reflexes? But I, I mean, he is a quality goalkeeper. The guy starts for Peru. He is legitimate. And Donovan Ricketts. I mean, again, he keeps just keeps doing it. Um, it really is kind of a renaissance year for him, uh, and, and you have to you have to appreciate that. You know, as bad as things have been for Jamaica, at least he's been able to enjoy some success with the Timbers, and he's been a key. He's been a big key for for the season that they've had. Uh, but you know what? Looking at Dallas, it, I, I'd say Dallas is going to be okay. I still I still think uh, they're going to be right there. Yeah, but they I had no Cooper, it. no Blast Perez in this game. Right, right. But you know what? That happens, and that's what I said said it a month ago. You know. They're going to start having these games against tougher teams. They're going to have to deal with injuries at a certain point because everyone does. Uh, they had such an amazing run, and, and it just shows you like how important it is to rack up those points when you can. Early in the year, they had things go their way. They were healthy. They were able to go at teams uh, that, did, that were shorthanded. But you know what? That comes, it comes around. It comes around. And now it's their turn. Now they're the team missing players, and they're the team that has to deal with that. And, and they're coming back down to earth a bit. Um, but, you know, I think they're still pretty good. Uh, it's, it's, it's not going to be easy for them to, to, you know, once Seattle, once L.A., once those teams really hit their stride, I think 
the, the top of the East is going to be Seattle, uh, uh, not in any order, but Seattle, LA, and Portland. I think that's the top three. I think Dallas is going to start slipping behind those those three. And the, well, but that's pretty pretty solid foursome, I got to say. Well, that's why it was so important for FC Dallas to have that hot start to the season. I mean, yeah, exactly. Because I mean, you're you gonna, you're going to hit points. road bumps in the season. You're going to. Yep, streaks and slumps. That's MLS. Yeah. And Dallas is, uh, you know, they're starting to feel it a little bit. Uh, but I'd say it's, you know, they got a solid team, but I wonder what they're going to do this offseason. I mean, this summer. I keep saying offseason because uh, it's summer, you know. You think you think it's like summer vacation time. But, no, not really because uh, all I think about is soccer. What other sports are you thinking about, Ivis? Uh, uh, I don't know. I'm just thinking about falling asleep on random planes. That's all I'm thinking about these oh, days. Geez. But But look, you know what? Dallas, they better be careful. Um they, you know, hopefully they're they're looking at the market, trying to trying to make some additions because you know their team is good, but you, you can't you can't rest all on your laurels. And I think other teams have improved. Other teams are looking to improve further. I mean, obviously the Galaxy are looking at designated players. So if you're if you're Dallas, you know you want to keep your eye on the market, and and make and make you know try to maybe make one more signing in the off in the summer. Actually, you know, I'm hearing that they're going to sign a player this week, uh, but you know, it's not a, it's not, you know, necessarily a, a big impact right away player. But uh, keep an eye on Dallas. I, I want to see. We want to see how they how they improve that roster uh, this summer. Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully they will. But like I said, those wins were important for them. Uh, the Columbus Crew got a shock win over the uh, Montreal Impact. Uh, uh, Maria Sanchez had the opening goal. Then he uh, did a, a uh, pregnant celebration. And uh, the Montreal Impact players tried to deliver the baby, but he was having none of it, <laughs> none of it. And then uh, Dominic Gaudreau stripped uh, Clean Warner uh, in the midfield and scored a goal. And just for Montreal, just a... Just an ugly performance by them. And for the Columbus crew, hey, credit for them for, for playing high pressure and creating those opportunities early in the game. Well, I'll tell you what. You know, it, sometimes it, MLS is funny. It, sometimes, a, sometimes a match, just you just you just swear you know how it's going to go. And, and then guess what? The opposite happens. And it, it's so often the case that it happens that way. I mean, Columbus, they just played Thursday in Chicago. They lost Open Cup. And and then to turn around from Thursday to Saturday and play a rested Montreal team that had a bye the previous week. They had a week and a half off. They, they hadn't played in two weeks. You figure Montreal's rested. They're, solid, they're a solid team. They're going to destroy this Columbus team that's tired, that's missing Glauber and Eddie Gavin, who have both torn their ACLs. Uh, you know what? It's, they're going to kill them. They're going to crush Columbus. And guess what? No. Mm-hmm. Columbus came out. They showed great heart. Uh, to to just take it to them and knock off the first place team in the East, and uh, you know they're they're a tough team to figure out, man. I mean, as constituted, I don't see that Columbus team. They're going to the be they're going to be up and down all season. That's what right. we're going to see. We're going to see some wins. They're going to see some bad losses. Right. And we're going to be and like, I, why can't I they just, figure it out? I just wonder where, what what is their ceiling? What can they do? Because I don't know if they're going to make any additions in the summer. I don't know if they're going to you know I don't know what their salary cap situation is. Do they have the ability to go and add some players? And I feel they need to. I feel like as the team is, it's not good enough. I mean, they, they, they were, you know, you tip your cap. You have to give them credit for beating Montreal the way they did. They look good in doing it. Um, but I just don't know, man. I just don't know if that team, as constituted, is good enough to make the playoffs. And if, they, if they're, I tell you what, if they're in a position where they can't improve that team, they can't, they don't have the cap space, then there's something wrong there. Because, you know, the way the team is right now, it's not a super strong team. So why do you not have some cap space? 
why do you, why can't you maneuver? I mean, you look at some of these other teams. I mean, the LA Galaxy, perfect example. You know, they can still maneuver. Well, the and, Galaxy have the money. Did the crew have the money? I'm not saying sign a designated player, but they still have the roster of the, of the roster availability. I mean, the salary cap availability. Not not. We're not talking about the eight million that a DP costs. We're talking about the slot, the rot, the salary slot. They have the Galaxy know how to play the game. The Galaxy know how to maneuver their salary cap, so they have available space on their cap. I'm not talking about the millions they're going to spend. I'm talking about the cap space, the cap slot. And if the Columbus Crew have not put themselves in a position where they have cap space, cap slots to gotcha. improve, that is not that is mismanagement. And I'm not saying that's the case. I'm not saying that's happened. But if the Columbus crew can't improve, if they can't go and sign any more players because they're just in a – they've painted themselves into a corner, then that's on them. Then you have to criticize them. Then you have to say, listen, guys, that's not good enough because other teams in the league have figured out how to do – you know, how to work their cap, how to manage their cap. And, and, and that's such a big part of the game. That's such a big part of, your, uh, of being able to, to add reinforcements in the summer. And, and the reason I bring it up is because, you know, I, you know, I look at this Columbus team, right? And obviously, for, uh, Higuain is a designated player, right? So he makes, he makes, he makes a pretty good salary. Um, mm-hmm. But when you look at the rest of that team, I mean, where is the money going? I mean, obviously, Chad Marsh is on a good deal. Jairo Arrieta is on a good deal. But I don't see a ton of money on that, on that squad. Glauber, obviously, was one of their higher paid players. But he's not on a max deal either. So... I just wonder if maybe this roster isn't isn't that well constituted or that well put together because you have when you build your team when you build your roster your your roster in MLS and, and and align it with your salary cap you have to keep some wiggle room you have to keep some built-in space to go and improve not just to go and improve but but also to cover yourself because you guess what folks if you, if a guy gets injured then you, you're you're out of luck. You know you don't get that player's salary to go and spend. You're stuck with that player's salary. So that's you know what the teams that know how to manage their caps are the teams that win on a consistent basis. And you should be a GM. Uh, hey, hey, I'm not saying I couldn't. I'm not, well, I don't know about GM. I, I'd have to start. In a but system. you're not saying you could. I'm not saying I'd turn the job down. But listen, uh, like I said, uh. it goes back <laughs> down to it. All right, look at the teams that have had consistent success. Real Salt Lake. Garth Lagerwey and Jason Christ. L.A., Bruce Serena, Kansas City, uh, Peter Vermees, uh, Houston Dynamo, Dom Kinnear, Siggy Schmidt in Seattle. Those guys know how to manage a cap. And those guys, that's why consistently you see them, their teams are solid, their teams are good, they have quality on it, and they can still make moves. And that shows you a good team because mm-hmm. they've figured it out. They're playing chess. There are other teams that play checkers. Those teams play chess. They're looking ahead, a step ahead. They're always, they're always looking at two, three, four, five steps down the road. But checkers, if, checkers is so easy, though. <laughs> it's easy and it's fun, but you don't win titles playing checkers. You win titles playing chess. Uh, Ivis, that was solid, man. I gotta give you yeah, props. That I, was I, good. You know what? I tell you what. I kind of feel bad because look, <laughs> we're talking about Columbus coming off of a huge win, and I like I just kind of rained well, on their parade. No, I agree but, with you. I'm just keeping it real. No, I agree with you. I, I, I think... gotta give I gotta give the crew tons of credit because they impressed me. They they didn't. It wasn't like a. It wasn't like they got lucky. They beat the the, the impact. They they beat them. They yeah. earned that win. They played well. I am just not convinced that they have enough to make the run in that they need to make. So it's gonna all. I tell you what, folks. Keep an eye on the Columbus crew. If they don't, if they don't add players this summer, then somebody has to answer for that. 
Yeah. Well, hey, I, I like the crew. I, I think they got some outstanding players. I mean, I, I like Josh Williams. I like Higuain. I like Arrieta. I, I just – they're one of those teams where I, I wish they could figure it out. Um, in other games this weekend, uh, DC United lost to Toronto FC. It, it, it just – it goes the way DC United season's going. I mean, Toronto gets FC gets an unbelievable header from Robert Earnshaw. And then and then on DC United, Daniel uh, Willard has an own goal go in. So horrible for them. Toronto gets the victory. And then uh, San Jose defeated Colorado 2-1. to one. Uh, Steven Lenhart scored a goal from distance in that game. That was beautiful in that. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> for, for, for that, that was the uh, MLS weekend, Ivis. Uh, just real quick, I don't know what you can say about D.C. <laughs> oh, man, there's, you know what? I feel for D.C. United fans because, uh, you know, there was so much good, good, there was so much good momentum coming into this year, or at least you thought. D.C. fans were thinking that, they were thinking title. They were thinking, you know, we had a great run last year. We got a young team. Mm-hmm. We're going to tear it up in 2013, and it's been an absolute nightmare. And I don't know what's going to happen there. I don't know if it, anyone's going to get fired or what. Um, you know, I think I personally think Ben Olsen stays. I think everyone that's there is going to stay there till the end of the year, and I think then you're going to see some changes. You have to see some changes. I don't know who's going to go, but you have to either the front office or Olsen or both. There's going to be some changes there this offseason. And Ivis, what is quickly becoming everyone's favorite part of the show is the SBI Q and A. I'm loving it. Uh, so let's quickly let's let's go into these questions before we wrap up the show. The first question is from Andrew J. Winter. He is at the Andrew Winter. The question is: Is TFC Toronto turning things around, or was that just what happens when you play DC? Uh, yeah, <laughs> not, not the rain on TFC's fans' parades, but. You really can't uh, put too much stock into a win against DC United because you know they're they're clearly a mess. It, it uh, on the other hand, it is a confidence builder, and you want to see if that helps maybe spark some things in TFC. I personally think TFC has some quality. Uh, they're they're not going to make the playoffs, right? But you want to see them build towards next season, build some momentum. Uh, so these next few games will really tell us the tale. But I wouldn't go too crazy about a win against DC. Uh, the next question comes from Alex Gutierrez. He's at Moted398. Question is, did Spain show enough today to prove that they are still number one, or is Uruguay that bad? I think it's a little bit of both there. You know, Uruguay obviously is not getting the results uh, that you would expect of a you know South American champion. You know, they're struggling in World Cup qualifying. They're just for the for the players that they have on that team, you would think they're much better than they are, but they, they just haven't really put it together. But Spain, uh, you know, they look sharp. They look really sharp and, and I, I can't wait to see them matched up against, you know, the Italy and the Brazil later on in a tournament. Uh, next question comes from at Arnold, comma, John, which host has better hair? Obviously me, Garrett Cleverly. Uh, well, after that, let's face it. <laughs> you know, you're, you're younger. I'll give you credit. I'll tell you what, though. Me, me, 25-year-old me would have gave you a run. run for I don't money. believe it, Ivis. I have my, – my hair deserves to be on TV. Well, let's face and, it. I and and I, don't ha- and I don't have a face TV. for radio. That's the, th- that's the problem here. <laughs> you don't have a voice for radio either, but that doesn't stop you. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that was good. <laughs> that's pretty good. That, that was that's pretty good, Ivis. Um, next question comes from Royal from Pitch. He is at RB Pitch. Um, do you think Batman is pissed that Ellen Galaxy's third kit looks like Robin? Uh, I tell you what, man. I don't know who signed off on this, who put that up for a vote. I am convinced that this is the this is kind of you know what I think. Chivas USA fans, obviously their their season is done, right? It's a nightmare. I think Chivas USA fans decided, you know what, our season is so bad, we need to find something to give us joy. I think they rigged the voting on this LA Galaxy third kit, and and this is their ultimate revenge. 
uh, for the folks who haven't seen it, the the Galaxy Third kit looks like uh, looks like a Galaxy jersey and a, and a Mexican national team jersey had a baby, and this is the jersey that come that that has come out. It is tragically awful. I don't know if it's Liverpool jersey awful uh, for those who haven't seen Liverpool's uh, twenty their new jerseys, which are atrocious. But I, the, the, these things are horrible. You know, I'm indifferent on Liverpool. I, I'm I'm. I'm leaning towards... It looks like someone ran over them with a tractor. Are you kidding me? I don't know, man. I don't know. For some reason, ever since I watched that 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 uh, that Liverpool thing on Fox Soccer, I have just a different feel for them. Good or bad? Like, in a good, in a good way. Like, oh, I like Brendan Rodgers. I want him to do well. Oh, that show was awful. What? That show was awful. It was, it it was, was cool. so fake. It's so contrived. So phony. I liked There's it. There's not anything good about that show. Well, you know what? I liked it, so shut up. <laughs> you were the demographic they were going for. Well, you know what? They won, so <laughs> good for them. Um, that wraps up the SBI Q&A. As always, everyone, thank you so much uh, for uh, for sending us your questions. Uh, Ivis and I are recording the show crazy late tonight, as, as we said, so there weren't that many questions. But for the people that were up, thank you. We really appreciate it. Ivis. Yeah, I, I, I will say this. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, look out Thursday during the day. I will tweet out uh, a tweet for looking for questions. Earlier in the day, I apologize to all you folks on the East Coast who are waking up and realizing that I posted I posted the Q and A tweet at like two a.m. Eastern. Uh, I'm sorry, folks. I'm in Utah. Uh, we're up late, but uh, yeah, look out Thursday afternoon. I'll make sure we get you, you East Coast folks uh, some questions because I know the last few Q and A's have been has been dominated by the folks on the West Coast. Well, us West Coast folks don't really care what the East Coast has to say. <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, Ivis, you have to announce the winner for the uh, SBI uh, contest. Do I know who the winner was? Yes, you we do. We do have a winner. We I do have a winner. You know who it was. Do you, do you need me to go look it up while you stall here? Yeah, look it up because okay. I don't remember. Go ahead, go ahead and stall. Say something about it. Uh, well, oh, yeah. For, for those of you who might have missed episode 41, we did a uh, SBI show contest where uh, you know listeners could uh, enter for the, enter the contest by submitting a review uh, for our show on iTunes. And for those of you who tried to do it or who maybe were thinking about doing it, it's not just about giving us the star rating. We also want kind of a written, the written submitted, uh, you know, entry uh, in the rating, which kind of gives us an idea uh, as far as feedback goes. And, and we had quite a few entries on that front. And thank you to all of you who, who submitted reviews on iTunes. It was great. It definitely gave us a big boost. Um, so we picked a randomly, at random, we picked one of the uh, – one of the um, reviews, uh, and I, I do. I, 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 it wasn't a case of hey, what's the best review? Who gave us the most love? We're giving him the scarf. No, we did the. I did the random number generator. You can find those. You can find it online, and we picked it. Picked the random number, and we gave it to that to that review. So, uh, congratulations to. Uh, what number was it again? It was a ten, right? Oh, geez, you don't. You know what? I'll find it. Hold on. Uh, you know what? I got it right in front of me. Okay. It is Sam Langrock. So it's Sam and then L-A-N-G-R-O-C-K. Congratulations. You have won a scarf from the USA-Panama game in Seattle, that memorable night in Seattle. I will be uh, sending him a scarf. And Sam, if you're listening, uh, email me at soccerbyivis at gmail, and we'll work it out. We'll get you the scarf. And uh, don't worry, any of you that try to be imposters and pretend to be Sam, don't worry. I'll, I'll make sure to vet it. So, Sam, if you're listening, congratulations. Email me at soccerbyivis at gmail.com, and we'll sort you out. Yeah, and to back up what Ivis said, you know, he's right. We, we appreciate what everyone has to say 
on the show. As far as I just want to let everyone know, as far as if, if the the quality of the show, I just want to let everyone know this. Ivis and I do this over Skype and do it over the internet. So some shows, because Skyvis is on the road, aren't always going to be the best. But Ivis and I try our best to make this the best it's going to be. So if the show sometimes is a little whack. Trust me, I try my best. I'm a really good radio producer. I know it's hard; it's very hard to believe. You get me in a studio, I'm freaking good. Yes, folks, we're you know you never know where we're going to record these shows. If I could show you some of the places I end up having to record, I mean, I'm I am currently in the hallway of a hotel in Utah, uh, just you know the the most quiet place I could find to to record the show, and uh, clearly you know we're not in a radio studio. But uh, you know, obviously, the, I tell you what, the show's doing really well, and thanks to those of you who are mm-hmm. listening. And have become regular listeners. The numbers are looking really good. We're going to start, uh, you know, reaching out, trying to find some sponsorships. Uh, wink, wink to any of those, <laughs> yeah. any of you out there who may, might be in position. To, if any of you are the HBIC, let us know. Yeah, if any of you out there happen to be, you know, working at a company and you, you want to sponsor, let us know. But uh, you know what? I, I think the show is only going to get better. So uh, we, we're not we're not quite ready to go to three shows a week. But it's something uh, it's something to look at down the road. So uh, things are going pr- going pretty well, and you know, thanks to all of you for the support because you've definitely you know made it worthwhile. You know that original blood contract that I had to sign with you. You know, it, it didn't say anything about three shows a week. So <laughs> uh, I don't know if we want to subject people to to, to to Garrett cleverly three times a week. But, I know that's tough. You, you know, the one thing is people actually. You know, I noticed in the comments though, anything you say, people believe it. I think people people are convinced I work I work for RSO. People are like, yeah, I care, even though he's on the payroll. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. I, the, the, that's just a joke, folks. Garrett does not work for Yasso. Like, he is not on their payroll. He does, however, look like a young Alexi Lalas. That is very much that, that, Yeah, that is actually 100% accurate. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's one of the goals is to get a picture of Alexi and Garrett together. They look like Alexi's love child. No, you know, I'm just never going to show up to anything. That way, you know, I, I don't exist. That, that's the plan. Yeah, actually, Garrett is not a real person. Garrett is just me in a different uh, in a different West Coast voice. Okay, could you ma- West Coast voice? Thank you, I appreciate that. I don't know. I don't know what I just said there. I know, <laughs> you, I, you know, you I really have a West Coast. And you voice. always give me crap. You always give me. You always give me crap because you're always like Arizona's not the West Coast. So you just validated right there. Thank you, Ivis. You're always in a, in California, you know, out there uh, in wine and cheese country. Uh, what? Oh my! Stop at, it. At wherever it is you hang out. That's not true. I'm hanging out like in West Hollywood. Yeah, you're in Compton. <laughs> you, you know, you know, uh, you know. I have a story about this. You know, I'll, I'll t- I have a story about that. I'll, I'll tell that later. Uh, Ivis, that wraps up the show. I think we might have a, a de- you know a shorter show, which I know some yeah, of you this show is not short. <laughs> it's not shorter. No. How about that? Hopefully, we get closer to an hour. Yeah, apologize, folks. We're going to try to keep it to an hour now. I know some of you you like to have that one hour exact on the dot. We'll shoot for that, but. Uh, Thanks again for listening. Yes, as always. uh, Yes, uh, thank you everyone for going to the game on Tuesday. Have a fabulous time. For Ivis Kolarsev, I am Garrett Cleverly. SBI Show will be back again later this week. Thank you for listening.